Tonight, I want to talk to you about the golden rule. Yes, the golden rule. You have heard of it. Now, there is a version of the golden rule that goes like this. He who has the gold makes the rules, right? That is not the golden rule that I want to talk about tonight. Amen? There is another version of the golden rule that goes like this. Do unto others before they do it to you. This is also not the rule that I want to talk about tonight. Amen? I want to talk about what, we have, what has come to be known as the golden rule. The golden rule. I want to talk to you about the golden rule that I learned about when I was very young. And perhaps you learned about this when you were very young. It is a teaching of Christ. Now, when I say that, some will say, no, it's included in other uh, religions and other philosophers have said, but no one said it like Christ. No one said it exactly the way Christ said it in a positive affirmation of how we are to treat others. And so I want to talk to you about this. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, you'll see it on the screen behind me. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And I find that very interesting, don't you? Do unto others what you would have them do to you. And then Jesus is saying, this is summing up the law and the prophets. This is summing up the law in terms of how we're to treat other people. Another place in Matthew, actually later in that same gospel of Matthew, I believe it's chapter 22, a lawyer, a Pharisee, corners Jesus. He says, which law is the greatest law? Which commandment is the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second greatest one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. And so really, when you look at the first commandment, that is kind of dealing with our relationship with God and our, uh, that kind of uh, vertical uh, relationship that we have. But then the horizontal, that those relationships that we have with other people really deals with the second commandment. And you see that division even in the Ten Commandments, the first four being commandments that kind of focus on our relationship with God and honoring God. And then that last group uh, is really dealing with how we treat other people in our lives. And so really, he's saying, do unto others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And so Jesus in the way that he does, keeping things very simple, man likes to complicate, Jesus likes to simplify, amen? He took the 613 laws of the Old Testament and the 10 laws of the 10 commandments and, and, and just pointed us down to two great commandments. And then here in what is the last part of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, kind of focusing our attention on this rule of doing to others what we would have them do to you, and then this summing up the law and the prophets. So it is a 
a, a, a rule, a, a guideline that we need to keep central in our lives. W- would you not agree? This is something that needs to be kind of like a hallmark of the person of God, the Christian. Amen. We all want to be loved. Amen. Mm-hmm. I want to be loved. You want to be loved. And everyone else around us wants to be loved, wants to be treated right. And so we need to, we need exhortation in this area. Because I'd say, you know, most everybody is, you know, treats people fairly decent. But, you know, sometimes even the best of us, even when we're very well intentioned, we can get just sidetracked. Somebody cuts us off in traffic. And the next thing we know, we're not doing it right, you know. And so, hey, we need exhortation in this particular area. And Paul in the book of Romans right here kind of kind of goes down this road where he's really given us some instruction, some exhortation in how we are to treat others, how we're to think about things. And so tonight we're going to take a look at this, and I've got a couple points for you. The first one is that we need to have brotherly love. In order to do to others what they would have us do to them, we need to have brotherly love for them. Amen? So let's pick it up in Romans chapter 12, in verse 9. Let's read it. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continue, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Paul starts off this particular exhortation where he says, let love be without hypocrisy. Wow, that's kind of enough to think about right there. It's kind of like, wow, let love be without hypocrisy. Um, And you want to say like, man, I don't know. is Is it even love if it has hypocrisy involved in it? But Paul is saying, look, our love needs to be genuine. Our love for those around us needs to be something that is that has an integrity to it. You know, there's there's this idea in scripture that we need to be the the God has this integrity of who he is, of his character, and he is love and when he acts what he does, he's acting out of this this pure integrity of love. And we need to be uh that same we need to have that same kind of love for one another around us. And so without hypocrisy, without putting on a show, without kind of anything that would be hypocritical in that sense. So Paul, if you, if you were here on Wednesday night, the, last, the previous section that we covered on Wednesday night, Paul was dealing with spiritual gifts. And we were talking about how we're to, that God has given each person a measure of grace. He's given us a measure of uh, grace. There's a grace gift. A, a, the word is charismata, and it's a grace gift. And so there's some of those that we were mentioning there's, uh, there's serving, there's leading, giving, teaching, um, all these different gifts. And, and Paul says there, if you, if you, if, if you have this uh, gift that's given to you, he says, use it, use it, use the gift, use the gift. And it's interesting how he's talking about spiritual gifts and then immediately uh, comes in right behind that with an exhortation on love and loving 
others because we have to operate if we're using spiritual gifts, if we're operating in spiritual gifts, if we're doing spiritual gifts, they have to be with love. They have to be with love. And so the reminder here is taking us back to uh, his letter to the Corinthians where Paul has the section where he's talking about gifts in chapter 12 and then he's talking about gifts again in chapter uh, 14 but right in the middle, right in the middle between 12 and and 14, you have 13, right? 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. And actually, I brought this out even in the robbery of the high priest when you had a, a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate. It's this idea of that you have the, the bell, which might be seen as uh, the, the charismata in that sense, but the fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. But if you have just a bell and a bell and a bell and a bell, you have just clanging bells, right? And that's why Paul says in the beginning of chapter 13 of Corinthians, he says, if you can do incredible things, if you have great spiritual gifts, if you can uh, you know, give everything that you have and you can do all this wonderful thing, but you have not love, you are a, a clanging symbol. You're just a clanging symbol, and it's, it's, it's not being done right in that sense. And we want to have the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the grace gifts operating in our lives. And that specific, uh, Paul really in that earlier passage talking about specific giftings that he has put into our lives that, that, that we should use them. So we need to have love. Um, what, what kind of love? It needs to be genuine, not fake, not acted out, not perfunctory, not a love that's going through the motions. Um, you know, it, it is still a decision, but you know when you're putting it on. You, we, we know, right? We know. And, and it's got to be that genuine love. Amen? He goes on there. And he says, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Now, this is an important message for the church today, I think, that we need to abhor. Well, we don't really use the word abhor, right? But the, 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 the word is very close to, in some um, translations, you might actually even have the word hate. Um, it's, it's this idea of hating, despising what is evil. And for the believer, we need to have a distaste. We need to have a, 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 an extreme dislike, a, 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 an ab, ab, abhorring what is evil. And, um, and, and, and that's the thing. We've got to have that. And I remember back, uh, shoot, I don't know how long ago, maybe, I don't know, 25, close to, close to maybe 30 years ago, maybe. Um, I don't know if you remember the, the artist Mylon Lefevre. Uh, but he actually had an album, and he had a song that was called Love God, Hate Sin. Love God, Hate Sin. And this was a big song in, in, uh, in the Christian community. Um, and I remember it, and I remember just the idea there of hating sin. But I remember when I heard the song, and I looked it up in the Bible, um, and I was like, wow, or, or hate sin? Because you know, when you think about hating something, you think of of almost like, you know, is that, can you be a God person? Can you be a Christian and like hate something? And, and um, well, let me quote it from the Old Testament. Here, Paul's saying it in Romans. Let me quote it from the Old Testament. Amos 5.15, hate sin and love good. 
hate sin and love good. Cling to what is good. And so we need to have um, that type of feeling towards, towards sin. And, and a lot of what we do when we're mistreating other people in our lives is sin, okay? It's not like, oh, well, we just kind of just got out of bounds a little bit or we just kind of got like it lost our temper or whatever. It's, it's we've, we've mistreated people. We've, um, we've done something in such a way that is, is not right. And so then we have to go to them. We have to, to humble ourselves and say, hey, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? And that's important. But we need to, we need to hate sin and love good. Cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. I find it um, interesting now that, you know, and, and I've said this before, like if you ask like what were the most evil times is, is you know, the time around Noah, Noah when God brought the flood on the earth, was that the most evil time? Or was it like when, you know, um, was it some other time? Was it the time of Christ? Was it the Middle Ages? Was it, you know, the 20th century? Was it now? When, when is it? And, you know, I think the answer could be like, you know, all the above. And certainly things are getting bad because there's, there's new ways that um, uh, temptation is brought into our life and, and all of that. And so I just see where there's kind of a, uh, how should I put this, an entertaining of things that are that are evil. There's kind of like there's almost like a hey, is this you know let's 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 rethink this. Is this is this evil? And then you go back and you look at some of the things and how and how our understanding has 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 been kind of clouded in 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 these recent days. And you look back and you say, well, yeah, there was a time when that was pretty clear. There was a time when some of these things were it was pretty clear. And people are going back, they're going back and they're editing their books and they're, and they're taking stuff out that they said maybe 20 years ago that was like 20 years ago you wouldn't even think that like you would change that. But now they're going back because it might be misunderstood. It might not appeal to certain groups and things. And wow, I think it's a message for us of hating sin there's the old saying, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin, right? And so let's not get that confused. We, need, we do need to, to love people and, 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 and love that person that's caught up in the sin, but we do need to have, we, we, you, we can't have, um, uh, as a Christian, um, you know, giving place to sin or just kind of, now it's gone so far and there's nothing new under the sun, right? So I don't, I'm not suggesting this is new, but I really see it where there's a justification of sin and there's just arguments being placed out there where this is okay and this is okay and this is okay. And, and, um, and so, you know, hey, if you've got a question about something, if you've got a question, whatever, go to the Lord. And um, I don't think God is really wishy-washy on these things. I don't think God is, you know, um, so... We need, to, we need to have that understanding. Cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. My question would be in that whole line of thinking, if I've got the Spirit of God in me, if I've been born again, if I have literally the Holy Spirit in me, 
and I'm over here trying to justify sin, then where is the love of God in me? Where is that that, that where, where I have this clinging to what is good? Where is, where is the allegiance to God, the allegiance to good, the, the defending of the... And I know, it's, it's tough. And I'm not saying you have to be out there like with, you know, whatever. I'm just talking about our own lives. I'm talking about people's lives, how you live. I'm not talking about political stances. Don't, don't misunderstand me with what I'm saying here. I'm talking about how we live day to day. We need to have that clinging to what is good. The idea of clinging to what is good there is this idea of literally being fastened to it. <laughs> clinging to it, literally being glued to it, to, fa- to fasten firmly, to join oneself to what is good. We need to be so joined to what is good that there's no... Don't, we don't leave a space. We don't leave the devil a foothold. We don't leave the devil a toehold. You know, the devil will get his toe in the door if you let him. And then he begins to take ground. And we're the ones that are supposed to be taking ground with where we place our feet. Amen. And so let's, let's just have that kind of firmly fastened cleaving to what is good. Amen. Be kindly affectionate with brotherly love. There it is. The love of brothers and sisters. The word there in the, in the New Testament would be Philadelphia, right? The, you know, we have the city of brotherly love. That's, the, that's brotherly love. And um, this is, well, it's actually, there's four words in the New Testament Greek for, for love. Uh, phileo mean, being one of them. And uh, if you break that word down, it's phileo, which is a certain type of love. And then Delphia or Delphus is actually the word is the uh, root there is actually the word for the womb. And so it's, it's actually an affection and a love for those from the same womb, <laughs> you know? And so we need to have, so we, so we have a brotherly love because we have, we, we have the same father in heaven, right? We've been born from above. We need to have brotherly love for, for those, certainly, you know, the brothers and sisters in the household of faith, amen? There needs to be a great love. Even, even if I don't agree with everything that a brother is doing, and it may not even be wrong, I just may disagree with this or that or, you know, something here or there. We may not see eye to eye on every point of theology or whatever. At the end of the day, as long as it's not complete, as, not as, as long as it's not heresy, you know, we're going to discover that when we get up to heaven, that we had a lot of points of our theology that weren't correct. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. We're going to go, oh, wow, okay. We were really close here, and we were way off over here, you know? <laughs> well, we're still all, we've got our views on the end times, but we're still waiting around to see how that thing is all going to go down. <laughs> Amen. So be kindly affectionate with one another. Honor one another. Be affectionate with one another. Well, let me, let me, before I move on, affectionate with one another. When we were, we took a, a mission trip uh, down to Peru uh, many years ago, and, um, and we ministered with the church there in Lima in a um, place called Circo. And um, so we did 
ministry outside the church, but then we ministered in the church too. And I actually spoke at the church on that Sunday morning that we were there. And during the greeting time, between the worship and the teaching, what struck me is how everybody went around and like basically like hugged and kissed everybody. And it was like amazing. I mean, it was like, I mean, I know some of that's a little bit of a cultural thing. So like if we like, you know, in some of our circles, if we go up kissing everybody and whatever, I mean, that can be, whoa, 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 come on. You know, do you go down to South America and you can kiss everybody, amen? <laughs> it's okay. But what I liked about it was just the, just the affection of it. You know, it, 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 it wasn't weird. It wasn't, you know, anything like that. It was just... It, there was a there was a loving affection with it, and um, and so um, be affectionate with one another in a you know in a proper and cool kind of way. Amen. <laughs> honor one another. Honor one another. This one I think is what we need some exhortation with this because we because it's honor one another. So we think of maybe honoring people in certain positions or whatever, but really we're to honor one another. Um, and when you think of honor, um, one of the th- first things you think of is, you know, honoring like people in the military, right? You know, we, we honor the troops you know, we want to honor the troops. And when you think about the church, we are the troops. Amen. <laughs> we're, 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 uh, we're, we're in this war, uh, this battle, this spiritual warfare, and we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in, in heavenly places, in the heavenlies. And, and so we've got we've to honor those around us and not get, get caught up in, in fighting the flesh and blood and forget the fact that we're really in a, in a, in a warfare with a heavenly darkness. And, 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 and Paul talks about that in Ephesians 6, where there's, there's principalities and powers, there's a hierarchy of, of those that are against God. That, 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 see, if you want to teach on spiritual warfare and you want to teach about that, you have to understand that there was a heavenly family before God began his earthly family. So there was already a heavenly family. That's why in the Bible, God is called El Elyon, God Most High. He's the he's the he's uh, the the God of the host of heaven. What's that? The host of heaven. <laughs> so there was a heavenly family. Well, some of those guys aren't doing it right either, and they're they're not living up to to what they were created to be, and we're we're in a battle with that, with those principalities, with those powers in in dark places, and so we need to honor one another. Think of others as your fellow officers in this spiritual battle that we're in. And, um, you know, not, not even just enlisted. <laughs> you know, like, what's the lowest rank in the army? Private? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Officers. We should, we should, we should honor each other as officers in the Lord's army. Amen? Yes. Paul goes on, he says, Serve the Lord with diligence. With diligence, um, I think when you're diligent, 
there's an idea that, you know, if you'll, if you'll love others, um, it'll be easier to do some of the things that we do when we're serving. And we can do that with diligence when we're doing it out of love. Um, when we don't have love, when we don't have a lot of love flowing, is when we get into, uh, you know, the opposite of diligence, uh, the opposite of excellence, the, you know, when we get into laziness and things like that. So we need to be diligent, not apathetic. Um, so we, we, we need to have a, um, you know, you have to ask yourself, is there, is there a, do you have a, a, a love, do you have love stirred up in your heart for the Lord and for the brothers and sisters? Is there, is there like a genuine love? Is, there, is it stirred up? Is there a diligence in your heart from that standpoint? And, and then we can do things when we're serving in diligence because we've got that love stirred up in our hearts. The opposite of that would be like apathy. And we're just, you know, kind of ho-hum and, you know, just everything's down here and, and just, you know, whatever. And I remember it always comes back to a song for me. Um, but DeGarmo and Key actually had a song called Apathy Alert. And, uh, and it was about, you know, like, hey, you know, we need, a, we need an alarm that goes off. We need some type of a buzzer that goes off in our life. <laughs> Apathy. Apathy setting in, you know. Like one of those chairs I remember in youth group. The, I don't know what youth pastor came up with this idea, but, but a bunch of them did. And, and they had this thing where they created like an electric chair. <laughs> you ever went in a crazy youth group? Um, anyways, the... Um, you'd sit on this chair and it would give you like a little like electrical shock. I look back at some of this stuff that like a lot of youth pastors did, including myself, and it was like craziness compared to like what you would, you know, would be even be acceptable today. But somehow that came off as funny and kind of, you know, hey, did, you know, whatever. But we need some type of a, a buzzer. We need some type of a, um, you know, in that sense, an alert that, that kind of shakes us out of apathy and, and gets us into that uh, diligence in the Lord. Serving the Lord with diligence, not apathy. Rejoicing in our hope. We rejoice in the hope that we have. Amen? That's what we do when we come together. Patient in tribulation. It's got, you know, Paul's kind of just like firing here. He's just like, he's just peppering us with these little, these little exhortations. Patient in tribulation. Hey, if you're going through a tough time, um, be patient and keep going. Keep trusting the Lord, you know? Um, I don't know who said it, but it was a famous quote. If you're going through hell, keep on going. <laughs> you know? I think that was like a war quote, probably. It was like General MacArthur or something like that. You can look that up. Um, but, but being patient in tribulation, Amen. Continuing in prayer, never giving up on prayer, amen? Continuing in it, giving to the needs of the saints. And um, I, was, I was actually just watching something, um, kind of a discussion amongst some pastors, and they were talking about uh, compassion and compassion-type ministries. And one of the pastors was actually saying, and it was a, it was a well-known, kind of nationally recognized pastor, and he literally said, and, and, and everyone seemed to agree, that, that most of the exhortations, if not all of them, 
as far as like having compassion are first geared towards having compassion and giving towards the needs of those inside the household of faith. That, that, we're to, that we're to take care of one another in the body, in the household, in the, you know, the brothers and sisters. And I think that, that um, there's an idea there that if the church operated uh, in that, that there would be such a, hey, you know, the church takes care of its, of its own. The church takes care of, you know, the, the, the down and out or the person that needs help you know, the person that's come under hard times, the person that's going through a surgery, you know, or whatever, and they need, they need something. And um, I've been proud of our body as we've been able to handle situations like that over the last, like even this past year, mm-hmm. amen, stepping up and helping those as they've gone through tough times. And I think that needs to be uh, something that is kind of a hallmark to the church, um, to, to the body of Christ. And then hospitality, having that, that being hospitable to one another. But then Paul goes on and he, t- he exhorts us to bless others. We need to love others, but we need to bless others. Let's go back to the text. Verse 14, he says this, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. So we need to be, we need to bless others. We need to be a blessing. Um, in a recent message, I, I, we were talking about being, um, where Paul was talking in Ephesians about knowing, learning contentment and knowing what it's like to, to be a base, to have lack, and then knowing how to handle the plenty. And remember, I asked the question, we all like to ask the question when there's lack, when we're going through that time of lack, we all like to say, well, why is this happening? And then I asked the question, how many people ask the question when, there's, when it's just, we're just being blessed? When it's just like, just blessing and it's just it's crazy, you know, what's happening? And we, how many people stop and go, why? Why are we being blessed? Well, we're, we're being blessed so that we can be a blessing to those around us. Amen? And Paul says here, bless and do not curse. Bless those around you. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. Be a blessing to the brothers and sisters in Christ. But be a blessing even to those outside the faith. Because the idea here is that there would be blessing those who persecute you, who persecute you. And wow, this is, there's, there's, there's some gold here in, in this because this is just the exact opposite of everything that you want to do um, when, you're, when someone's persecute, persecuting you. I mean, from a fleshly standpoint, you know, it's the exact opposite. We don't, we don't want to bless them. They're persecuting us. They're giving us a hard time. And we just sit there and think of, you know, where we can give them a hard time and where they don't measure up and where they think they got it all together and we want to point out all the, 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 the holes in their thing, you know? And, um, and Paul says, hey, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse Rejoice with those who rejoice. 
be happy, genuinely happy with those who are rejoicing in their lives, who are being blessed, who, who, who have reason to celebrate in their lives. Celebrate with them, rejoice with them, amen, and weep with those who weep. Sometimes you don't necessarily have to say anything. You know, I can rejoice with you and I don't have to give some piece of oratory. I don't have to give some type of prose of like, well, let me tell you about this blessing that's coming. The reason that you're rejoicing is that I can just rejoice with you. In my demeanor, in my interaction with you, you can tell that I'm rejoicing with you. And in the same way, you can tell that I have compassion uh, for you when, when you're weeping, when there's something going on in your life. So weep with those who, who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Um, just here, I think there's a little echo of what Paul said earlier in this chapter about having a, a right mindset about our lives, about having a practical self-estimate, about having true humility, not thinking of ourselves too highly. Amen? Not thinking of ourselves too highly. And then there's kind of thinking of ourselves too lowly or actually putting on a kind of a false humility. There's woe is me, which is not humility, by the way. Woe is me, I'm no good. No, no, no. You're, 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 you're who you are before Christ. You're, you were a sinner that needed a savior. And if you responded to Christ, God picked you up out of the miry pit and put you up feet upon a rock, and now you're saved. But now you have to have that practical self-estimate of who you are in Christ. Not thinking too highly, not thinking too lowly, but the practical self-estimate of what Christ is doing in you and who he's made you to be. Amen? And so... He says, here, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Associating with those that are humble. Not the proud. Not those that have, you know, there's confidence. I'm all for confidence. Amen? I'm all for knowing who you are in Christ and being able to step into the the giftings and the role and the position and the and, and whatever and, and do what you do with a confidence because you have a boldness and a confidence in the Lord. Amen. Amen. And he's and and because you you've committed that to him, that literally a, a, a good standing and a boldness comes out of that. A lot of people don't have boldness because they don't have um, they haven't really committed that to the Lord of operating in in their gifting, in the calling that, that God's doing in their life. The boldness comes in beginning to operate in those things. And, and we, need to, we need to have that understanding. Do not be wise in your own opinion. This is a, there's a lot of Proverbs that, um, you know, especially good Proverbs for those of us who talk too much. Amen? <laughs> you know, the, the, if you're a quiet person, you know, and that's just like your disposition, you know, hey, there's some good stuff there. <laughs> Those of us that are talkers and always kind of thinking about things and just being quick to relay those, you know, yeah, we're the ones that can quickly, you know, 
find trouble. So um, do not be wise in your own opinion. And then lastly, Paul says, be blameless. Let's pick it up, verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, this is some good stuff here on how we are to really be with those on the outside. And, and, um, and, and we need to have that. Um, you know, Paul says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. The first thing you want to do, especially when you're a kid, somebody comes up and hits you, you want to slug them back, especially if you're a boy. But even girls, there's some sluggers out there in the, you know, on the other side too. And, and, and we want to do that. And, but, but, but God says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Um, the idea here is giving place, he says, give place to wrath. Give place to the justice of God. Give place to the fact that God is going to handle it. God's going to give, uh, God's going to repay those that, that deserve that justice that's coming to them. And he's going to take care of it. He goes on here, live at peace with everyone. Do not create strife. Be a peacemaker. If, if at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I think there's an idea in Paul's, Paul's thinking in the Holy Spirit that as far as it, you know, here he's saying as far as it, if, if it's up to you, live at peace. And another place he says, you know, kind of, Live a quiet life. Do you know? Be, do you do the things that you're responsible to do? You know the, the, the things that you that you're responsible to do. Take care of business, and, and and don't don't be a person that has to stir things up. Don't stir. Don't create strife. Be a peacemaker. Amen. And sometimes you have to make peace. There's a difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. And sometimes you have to to just step back and just allow allow there to be peace. You have to maybe step out of a situation so that it doesn't get heated. And, and that can be an act of making peace or let, at least allowing things to kind of calm down, so to speak. Amen? Mm-hmm. Um, never seek vengeance. Make room for the wrath of God. God will deal with each person and each action. Let God handle it. Don't take it into your own hands. This is, a, this is the idea is all the way back in the Torah in Deuteronomy 32, 35. I'll throw it up on the screen. God says this, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. In due time, their foot will slip, their day of disaster is near and their doom rushes upon them. So I think the idea in scripture from cover to cover is that it's not our place to, to avenge. That, you know, that, Jesus is the avenger, amen? He's the avenger. You see this, you see this concept in the Torah, you see it specifically in, 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 um, in Joshua when they created the, 
the, the cities of refuge, you know, and they would run to the, the, the city to, for sanctuary. There was like six, six cities. And that's another whole long study, but you see the, just the, the, it's running to the person of Christ. It's running to the, to the refuge of Christ because he's the avenger. And, um, and it's, it, it, it's, he says, it's mine to avenge, I will repay. Um, couple things here. There's, there's, there is in the heart of man a desire for justice. Um, you see this when, when, the, when something comes up where someone has been wronged and it's just this gross wrong and so, so suddenly we're going to bring all this attention to it, right? And so you see, I, I was actually, it's interesting, I'm teaching on this tonight because I just saw a bumper sticker this week and it was, the bumper sticker was hashtag justice for Gigi. G-I-G-I, okay? I, I, I never Googled it, but I just took it like, okay, somebody needed justice and they created some bumper stickers. You know, it was a whole thing. It was a hashtag, it was a bumper sticker. It was a wrong that needed to be righted. Justice for Gigi, right? And, and, um, and so... And if there was a genuine wrong, yeah, there's a feeling of like, yeah, we need justice for Gigi. Right? And this is where um, you know, in, in a belief in God, there, there, there is a comfort in knowing that he is an absolutely just God and that there is ultimate justice coming. Amen. Now, if you're in Christ, you have already stepped under the justice that happened at the cross. Amen? Amen? Mm-hmm. Because that's where the wrath of God... Remember the night before Jesus uh, went to the cross when he was praying in the garden, and he said to the, the Father, the Son in the flesh... Praying to the Father, he said, if there's any other way, take this cup from me, right? What cup? The cup of the wrath that he was about to drink. He's literally, this this idea of the cup of the wrath, and, and he's literally getting ready to drink it. If there's any other way, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he submits himself to the will of the Father. He submits himself to the plan uh, in that in that setting there in the garden, and he's gonna go. He's gonna go to the cross. He's gonna drink the cup. He's gonna drink the cup of the wrath of God. He's gonna. And so the love of God and the justice of God are kind of meet head on on the on the cross mm-hmm. on the cross. So if you're a Christian, you've you've come and placed your life under the justice and the love that happened at the cross of Christ. Amen? Now, if you're outside of that, there's, there's a justice that's coming. There's a justice that's coming. And, and that's why we, we, we need to, the admonition here is to, when we're wronged and when we're, um, somebody does us the wrong way, we need to not avenge. We need to leave that to the wrath of God. We need to leave that to, to him because he is going to avenge. And the beauty of knowing God is that there is ultimate justice. There is ultimate justice. 
And I tell you what, when, when we're living this life, it's like our heart really cries out for it. When we look at the world, when we look at what's happening, our heart cries out for justice. We want justice. We want justice. But thank God for a perfect love and a perfect justice that met head to head in a place called Calvary. Amen. Amen. And uh, Jesus gave it all for us on the cross. Now, Paul goes on. He finishes up this section. He says, beloved, verse 19, um, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to the wrath, to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, um, says the Lord. Therefore, if your, your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. So there's this idea of literally doing good to those that persecute you. It's not just not avenging. <laughs> it's one step further. It's like, man, it's like, God, okay, we're not going to avenge. Okay, well, I, take, I, wanna, I want you to take it one step further. I want you to actually do good to them. Paul quoting here, he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now, there's just different interpretations of this idea of heaping coals on, uh, on someone's head. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, what comes to mind, and especially like we're at Christmas time, and so I've already seen like Home Alone 2, and and um, and you know the scene when Joe Pesci when he goes up and he puts his head down in, in the he's got the fire on his head and he puts the head down in the toilet but he, but 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 Kevin has put the, the the gas or the kerosene down in the toilet and so that the whole thing blows up right I don't know it's it, this isn't the idea when we want to heap coals on someone's head amen I, I think the best interpretation that I've seen on this is this idea of, you know, back in those days, you actually had to have a, a fire. You had to keep a couple of things handy in your house. You had to keep a little bit of dough. You had to keep a patch of dough and a coal of fire going. You had to kind of keep your fire going, and it would go down to an ember. And if somebody let theirs go all the way down where they, did, they didn't have anything, you could give somebody else one of your coals of fire, and they would take those and and um i guess they had these pans or whatever and 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 the idea was you're giving them you're blessing them you're you're providing something that they that is like you know was literally the equivalent of giving someone you know heat and a stove and everything that you would do with fire in that time we don't think of this in our culture because we have we have uh you know ovens and microwaves and all this but it's literally doing good. Um, let, me, let me read this. Um, he says, um, um, alternately, light on this passage may come from an Egyptian uh, explanation ritual in which a person, um, I don't know, let me back up, uh, giving a person coals in a pan to carry home on his head was a neighborly kind act it made friends, not enemies. 
And so there's, there's a couple other ideas, but I think that, um, I think that the, the thrust of this whole thing is so positive that I don't, I don't think the, the thrust of that is some, some type of a negative um, thing there. But anyways, the idea there is blessing, being a blessing, not cursing, going so far as to not repay, but going so far as to doing good. So the exhortation is this tonight. We need to be people that are operating first and foremost in the love of God, in the love of Christ. It starts first in the household of faith with the brothers and sisters, and then it extends out into the world with how we treat people out there. And this is such a message to the world Mm -hmm. because Jesus said that they would know, the world would know that we're his because we have love one for another. And that love that we that we show to the world, and so we need to be we need to stand firm in hating evil and clinging to what is good, but we need to show love and and be a blessing in this world.